0: Welcome back to the Jiggy warrior Show. I'm speaking with Big John McCarthy from the website bigjohnmccarthy.com. He's also a legend in uh, mixed martial arts. Are you going to be reffing the uh, Gracie Hughes fight coming up on the 27th? Or do you know yet?
1: You know, right now I don't know. That's, uh, that's all up to the California State Athletic Commission. They're the ones that pick... Uh, what officials do what fights, you never know until you're there.
0: Yeah. Well, uh speaking of the athletic commissions, uh what do you th- what did you guys used to do uh before you guys had athletic commissions, before you were sanctioned by athletic commissions.
1: <laughs> we used to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, there That's what I like to hear. Uh, you know, in all honesty, you know, you can sit there and you can talk about what athletic commissions do and stuff but you know, athletic commissions are there for for a good reason, and that is to keep people that are not doing things right from being able to go ahead and do what they want. Yeah. But when you you talk about, you know, a show like the UFC, or if you went to another type of show like Pride, those organizations do things the right way. They're they're classy in the way they do things. They take care of the fighters, to make sure that the medicals are done. I mean, back a long time ago. Fighters were going through all kinds of medical requirements. There was all kinds of things that had to be done. They're taking care of the, you know in a way that no one's going to take advantage of. As far as well, you're not going to get your pay, or you're not going to get you know this, or well, they're going to pull something on you. Well, we're you know what? That was the guy you're supposed to fight, but we're going to switch it now ten minutes before your fight. Yeah. And that that happens with some organizations, and you need an athletic commission for a really. Top-notch organization. Our athletic commission a necessary element. Not truthfully, because really they go in there and there's not a lot for them to do because it's all done the right way from the beginning. But they are there, and so you work with them. Yeah.
0: Well, um, when you guys going back to the first Ultimate Fighting Championship, which what did what were your impressions when you when you saw that? I know that you weren't involved in the
1: first one, but I was there at the first one. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, I was there. I was helping out with uh, Hoist Gracie, in fact. And uh, I helped Torian and Hoist during it. And, I mean, I kind of had an idea of what I thought was going to happen. It kind of worked out that way. And I loved it because I loved, at the time, what was no rules fighting, as we would say, or no whole sport fighting. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the the referees in the first UFC,
0: they were the, the most clueless guys. I have
1: ever oh, no, seen. See, i don't look at it that one. I love those guys. Those guys are my heroes. <laughs> How do you get that?
0: Like with the Shamrock thing. Shamrock tapped out, and I didn't even yeah, see uh, it. You see, you can, you,
1: you got, you know, you, you, you can look at the upside of it. I look at yeah, it. I love those guys because I got a job. job because <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, if those guys did their job. Great man, I never would have had a job, so <laughs> I love that I'd out to dinner <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, they I, I,
0: it, it just boggles my mind. I I just I just don't have a clue what the hell they were thinking. It's, you know, it, it's
1: funny. You can go back and you know, I knew who they were because they they did come from Brazil and they were they were part of, you know, the Jiu Jitsu uh you know in Rio and stuff, these guys—they could roll. They were good, you know. They knew what they were looking at. They just—it's a different mentality in the way they do things, and they do yeah. things. You, you can go back and watch. Oh, yeah. And, and I was thinking, oh, you know, it, it was at the time Horian had talked to me, and uh, Horian was running the show, and he told me, you know, John, I don't want you to stop this because that was part of the way I got the job. Is if you watch UFC One, the referee stopped. The very first fight was Taylor Truly versus yeah. Orlando uh, versus uh, Gerard Gordel. Gerard
0: Gordel, yeah. He kicked and him in with the head, George, and he stopped it.
1: He stopped it, and that's not what was supposed to happen. So that's really the reason that, you know, things kind of changed along with a couple other things, but, you know, I told him, no problem. Well, then you've got Robert Lucarelli, and I had told the corners, if I see that your fighter is in trouble, I'm going to point to your corner, and I'm going to yell at you, watch your fighter. That's telling you that, you know what, your fighter's in trouble, you need to protect him. Yeah. And so that was, you know, in the rules of me, and they went, okay, okay, well... I mean, I'm pointing to Robert Lucarelli's corner saying, Watch your part away. Then I'm yelling, Throw the towel, throw the towel. And they're doing nothing. I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm in trouble here. Yeah. I I, got to make a decision. And it really happened with uh, the Robert Smith and uh, Robert Morris and Pat Smith fight. Yeah. I I, I was yelling at uh, Robert Morris's corner to throw in the towel, and he was with. Robert Busey International.
0: Yes, yeah, the ninja and, guys in Texas.
1: Oh, yeah, it's the ninja
0: guys that threw their towel. Looked at me <laughs> and turned around threw their
1: towel into the audience. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love
0: those guys. Oh, my God. Well, well I know that uh, as UFC evolved, it seemed to be you're, like, tackling guys to get people off of each other. If you would have had the right, I guess, given to you to be able to stop the fight at UFC 2. Would you possibly have jumped on Pat Smith, or would he just let him finish?
1: Well, once he got to the point where he threw those elbows and you see that you know, Morris, Scott Morris is hurt to the yeah. point where he can't defend himself, he was up. You know, and all kinds of things happen. Guys go out and then they come back, but if you're unconscious and someone is hitting you, Got a big problem. Yeah. And you can't let that occur because, you know what, that is how you get people hurt. And that is how we were lucky that no one seriously got hurt and that the show was able to go on because of the fact that no one got hurt. Yeah. It,
0: it, it's amazing. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, yeah. It could have been. And then, of course, fast forward to UFC 3 and UFC 4 where you had chemo. What the hell did you think of chemo when he came out? With the cross on his back. Uh,
1: exactly. I you know. It's just about <laughs> your work. What the hell is he doing? Uh, he was, uh, it's funny because Kimo was from, you know, the Garden Grove area at the time. He was really staying at Garden Grove, Huntington Beach. And yeah. There was there was a couple of guys I knew that were tra- kind of training a little with him and then they were trying to set him up for with a fight with a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy and they kind of pulled out of it and stuff and it was, I thought, you know what, he's uh, he's not going to be much for a fighter. But you know what, he, the man had heart. Yeah. He went with everything he had. And so I was impressed. It was so, you know, a lot of people don't understand. That was at the Grady Cole Arena in North Carolina. It was about 95 degrees outside with about 100% humidity inside that place, which was supposed to hold about 3,500 people. There was 6,000 people in it. <laughs> and it was... Honest to God, in that ring, it had to be 150 degrees. Wow. It was the hottest place I've ever been in my life, and I've been in places where it's some degrees outside. It yeah. was brutal.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, just uh, I can see why Hoyce's conditioning sort of gave out, you know, during that that fight. And, you know, subsequent to, I, I don't know what you'd call it with the Harold Howard thing, but uh, because you know you guys were sweating like dogs in there, and now you know that you told me about the heat. Hell, that's hell of
1: a lot worse. It was it was as hot a place as I've ever been. It was brutal. It was hard to breathe. That's yeah, and and I remember Hoist was hurt for that. He had hurt his neck because yeah. I was training with him, and he had a bad neck, and he wasn't able to train the way he normally did. And and because of everything coming together, that's what that's what cost him the ability to continue
0: on yeah is it true that at ufc four there's been a several rumors around the internet for years that the reason that hoist got uh... van cleef in the first round was because horion knew that van cleef really had no shot and that if he would put him in there with Hoyce, hoist, hoist would beat him and not brutalize him not true not true okay not true at all <laughs> 'Cause I yeah, just, I just keep thinking if they would have put
2: him in there with Hackney or somebody else, Van Cleef could have really got hurt.
1: <laughs> no, the truth the truth of the matter is there was only one fight ever in the UFC that was set up for Hoist. Really? And that was that was his very first fight in the UFC against Art Jimerson and it wasn't <laughs> because
2: it was Art Jimerson.
1: It was they wanted to put the Jiu Jitsu guy against a boxer. Ah. Because the Americans knew boxing yeah it was hard to show that you know a boxer could not do anything once he was on the ground, which is which- and-
0: Some insane crap, and you just look at him and laugh
1: and wander away. Oh yeah, Dan. You know Dan was <laughs> a funny guy, and we would always. And it wasn't. It started about UFC five. Yeah. And he, uh, I will always say the same things to the fighters. I, I go through the same thing. I still say the same things to them, basically. And That's you know what that. You know, I tell them what how I'm going to start the fight where they need to be. I'm going to tell them to protect themselves, obey my commands, things like that. Yeah. At the end of it, i always say, do you have any questions? And most fighters like to know, and they go on with their thing. And Dan would always, at this point, start to come up, well, John, if you had one train traveling from Chicago at 100 miles an hour, (laughs) one train traveling from New York at 100 miles an hour, how long would it take them to meet in, you know? Oh, that's great. And Dan, he would always come up with something. (laughs) That's great. It's kind of like when uh, Antonio Pover
0: fought Roy Jones the last time. And they're like, Do you have any you have any questions? And Tom was like, You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Yeah, well, uh. he's kinda of right. <laughs> how would uh how would somebody like Roy Jones? I I realize that you've probably been asked this several times, but I I I realize that, you know, a boxer that has no clue what they're doing would get in there and, you know, get their ass hammered. If you were to take Roy and teach him jujitsu Teach him some grappling, because I realize that it's probably a lot easier to, well, I guess not really, to teach a a boxer how to grapple, but teach him a little bit of wrestling. Would they be able to do anything, or would it be just like the old UFCs, like with Melton Bowen and some of these guys that just get taken down and get tapped?
1: No, if you took a great boxer like a Roy Jones and you uh, put him into training and and teach him, the first thing you want to teach him, everything you're teaching him is defense. You want to teach him how to keep from being taken down, Yeah. how to get underhooks, how to sprawl, how to do a wizard, how to do things that are going to keep him from going down on the ground. And then you want to teach him, if he ends up on the ground, this is how I want you to protect yourself, and this is how I want you to try to get up. And Because you, you don't want him to sit there and try to go to guard and sit there and play another man's game. You yeah. want him to take a chance and to get up. Now, if you took six months and you work with him, and he worked it like he does his boxing, he would become a formidable person. Now, it doesn't mean that someone wouldn't be able to beat him. They could. Yeah. But you could make him a very scary guy, because his stand-up is head and shoulders above what you're going to find most mixed martial artists.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you, you, you look at some of the boxers they've had over time, and the UFC, and even Pride to a certain extent, and they just there's some of them that do well, and then there's some of them that just don't. Art Jimmerson's a real yep. good example <laughs> <laughs> guys who don't. <laughs> yeah. With um, with UFC 5, one more thing on that. What was, uh, I know that on the pay-per-view itself, when John Hess made his comment, oh, he doesn't tap, he, you know, quittance for pussies, all that crap, and then he withdrew... Due to a hand injury, I noticed that Bruce Beck played it up a little bit about how he said he would never quit and he dropped out. What was everybody's impression of John Hess, and why have we never seen him ever again besides, you know, in Super Brawl when Vitor dispatched him?
1: Uh, truth of the matter is, John Hess was a hated man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> Every fighter wanted John Hedge. Really? Yeah. You know, oh, he was not liked, he was hated. And you know, Dan Severn <laughs> wanted him first. No Charles wanted no first. But again, they did the same thing, it was that, you know Yeah, it was like the a type draw. And he ended up getting Andy Anderson who was not a fighter at all anyway, so yeah. well he's like the worst Waldo of mixed martial arts. He is absolutely the worst waldo. <laughs> yeah. You but can you can look at type and there he is. Exactly. It's great. But uh, he um, he talked his way into uh, the USC through Art Davie yeah. by uh, having a he actually had a steakhouse. It was a uh, topless steakhouse in Texas. <laughs> I think he gave gave uh, Art more than a steak. I don't know. Ah, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> John Hess. John has when he did that fight at the time, if you foul people, you, it was money. It was a monetary thing, and all of his money went to Andy, so John Hess made no money. Wow. He had paid it all for the fight, and he didn't want to fight. His hand wasn't hurt. He just knew that he didn't have the ability to go
0: Yeah. Well, I always wanted to see, after I saw UFC 6, I wanted to see Tank and John Hess go at it. <laughs> I just thought it would be interesting. Cause the two guys that just, you know, at the time, they really just had... No clue what the hell was going on. Tank could just beat the hell out of anybody. And one thing that um, I noticed, and I don't know, I'd like to get your impressions on this, I noticed that UFC 6, after Hoist, that was the first event that Hoist did not compete in. It seemed like all the events up to then, except for like UFC 1 and UFC 2, but everybody was doing jiu-jitsu, and everybody was grappling, and it was, you know, beautiful groundwork. And then UFC 6 came along, and it's just swinging. Crew. Was was that just something that, you know, happened on purpose, or did they try to match uh, people up that way, or...
1: Well, you know, things start to go, and it, it all depends on the fighters, but when they, you go to UFC 6, and they put, you know, Oleg Toktrov, who was in UFC 5, they brought him back, who truly was mostly a pure grappler. Yeah. But someone put it in Oleg's head that he was a boxer about that point, so... <laughs> He Didn't he box
0: later on in his career for somebody like Don King or something? Yes,
1: yes he did. <laughs> <laughs> Again, someone put it in his mind that he was a boxer, but he was absolutely a tough, tough man. Yeah. You know, and a and a very good sample player. He's you know, he was good at it. But he decided to stand up with Tang, and most of the guys that were in that show there weren't a lot of grapplers. There was, you know, Dave Benatel. Yeah. He was there. And he was, you know, somewhat of a grappler, but he got taken out by a better grappler in Oleg. But other than that, most of the guys there were stand-up guys.
0: Yeah, big called so, Varlins and, and was, oh, Cal yeah, and all of
1: them. wasn't a ground guy, and Cal Worsham wasn't a ground guy. Yeah. And then you had Pat Smith, Rudy Moncayo. Who <laughs>
0: Rudy Moncayo, so. I love that name. Oh, yeah. The only guy that went to UFC 6, uh, got beat... And then showed up in extreme fighting, and he was supposedly undefeated. dude,
1: I wish I could have a record like that <laughs> so awesome. that's great you you just decided which fights that really didn't count there you go <laughs> with uh pat
2: smith
0: was he was was that a case like john s was he not really hurt that he just not want to
1: go or ah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he, uh, he actually got into a thing with Tank Abbott in the back, and then Tank's people <laughs> that's coming great. after him. He was trying to just get out of Dodge. Two thugs pissed off at each other. That's great. Go. <laughs> well, with the uh, the new
0: UFC, there's there's all sorts of uh, it's the strangest thing that they they're so animos so much animosity on the internet with people they fight back and forth between oh the new UFC's cool the new UFC's crap why is it, <laughs> why is it they they don't say that about any of these other organizations?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're going to say what they want, and there's people that don't like the UFC because they have perceptions about it. Yeah. They have perceptions that, all oh, the fighters don't get paid, or this or that, and, you know, no one forces a fighter to go into the UFC. Yeah. No one sits there and twists his arm and says, oh, no, you got to do it. you got to <laughs> fight for me, and you can only fight for this, so, you know, people have perceptions what's going on, they, they may not like Dana White or something like that, and so they decide, you know, I don't like the UFC. And that's okay. That's their choice. There's no know, yeah. I have no problem with it. But the truth is, the UFC, if there was no UFC, there would be no mixed martial arts in the United States. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, that... the money that was put out to save MMA in the United States was put out by the UFC. Yeah. And if it was the era, when era, then they started to lose out, or Zupa. So, you know, the UFC has done has done itself. You know, right. It's now making the money that it should make. The fighters are making a lot of money. If you look at the top guys, trust me, they are making a lot of money. Oh yes. It's more money. It's more money than people realize, and it's more money that they see coming out on the uh, athletic commission stuff. You know, because they're getting pay-per-view rights and they're getting money from that. They're doing very well.
0: Yeah. Well, getting back to. Uh... Some some of the things that have, have gone on just recently, or not recently, but like, uh, for instance, Kurt Angle, the, the WWE guy, the former Olympic gold medalist, he said on a couple of occasions he wished he would have went to the UFC when he was offered a shot. And I've always wondered, and since you're a UFC guy, I'll ask you, what do you think his chances would have been in the old UFC and with... The new UFC, or would he just been just a no-name guy?
1: No, no. Kurt Angle was an unbelievable wrestler. Yeah. Kurt Angle was an unbelievable athlete. Kurt Angle, if Kurt Angle would have taken up mixed martial arts and done done it right like a Randy Couture, yeah. Kurt Angle could have been an animal. He could have been awesome. You know, he is an entertainer now with WWE, and you know what? That is fake stuff. It's oh. a show. It's entertainment, yeah. and but, you know those guys do take a beating. But Kurt Angle is one guy that's there. If he had done it, and he had worked at being a mixed martial artist, he could have been fantastic. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, he's just a just a phenomenal athlete, and I know that. Like I said several times, there's been things come out where he said, well, he wished he would have went with the UFC when he was offered a an opportunity. Um, I wished he would have. Yeah, he's. Yeah. He just, <laughs> He's great. He could. I think he could have been the Randy Couture of, you know, UFC instead of Randy Couture being Randy Couture. Um, <laughs> what do you think of these, uh, like, with the the other organizations? Because I'm sure you you watch, you know, Pride and King of the Cage and some of these guys. What do you think of real pro wrestling? Have you seen this stuff where they put the the amateur wrestlers and they have them go
1: at it? Yeah, I watched it, Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, I I came up with a wrestling background, so I enjoy it, but I have have enough common sense to realize it's not what most people in the general public are going to, you know, buy into and start to follow, and it's very hard, uh, there's a reason why amateur wrestling doesn't get a great following, you know, it's, most people don't understand it, and they look at it like two men hugging themselves, and, uh, spinning around, and since there isn't anything that a lot of people can identify with, as far as the moves that they're doing and what they're doing, that it's hard for it. Everyone understands that a punch in the face hurts. Yeah. And you'll, you'll get a lot of people's interest, because even if they've never been in a fight, they think, oh, that hurts, ooh, so that's, that's real. But when it comes to amateur wrestling, if they've never been down on a mat or done
0: John McCarthy of BigJohnMcCarthy.com, UFC 60, Hughes and Gracie, May 27th. What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know what? It's a it's an interesting match. It's something that a lot of people sit there and they have different opinions about it, saying, "Oh, you know what? It's a stupid match. It shouldn't. It's not for the championship. It shouldn't be done." But there are so many people out there that know the name and know the person of Hoist Gracie, know oh, yeah. the persona. And they remember this guy who went out there and would fight bigger guys and would always win. And they believe in him. And, you know, I understand why they believe in him. I believed in him for a long time, and I still do. He, uh, he's he got that persona that, you know what, he didn't really lose in the octagon. And a lot of people believe that Bois back then was as good as it would get and that he could beat the people today. And maybe he can, and we're going to find out. Because no matter what, it's the same as, you know, if you have boxing. Could Joe Lewis have beaten Muhammad Ali or would Muhammad Ali have beaten Joe Lewis?
2: Yeah. Well, oh,
1: there's always got to be the passing of the torch. Now, somewhere along the way, it's going to happen, either through a retirement or through an actual battle and fight. Yeah. There's going to be that passing. And so this is, this is the opportunity for people to see, has it really changed that much? Are these guys that much better today? Or can the guys who were really good in the past still take out the guys of today?
0: Yeah. Do you think um, the I'm assuming the athletic commission probably won't let Hoist wear his gi.
1: No, he will not. He will not be allowed to wear his gi. That's not allowed by the state athletic commission.
0: Will he be able to uh, wear anything like a rash guard or anything? I know that. Nope. Wow. He will have shorts on just like everyone else. (laughs) That that should be interesting to see. Hoist in shorts. (laughs) <laughs> that would be great. That uh, will be something else. Like what we were talking earlier about Kurt Angle. What do you? What are your impressions
2: of Bob Sapp? Is he just all hype, or?
1: Well, I mean, Bob's a great guy. Yeah. He's he, he's as nice a man as you can find. He is just a superhuman being. He's Super kind. He's funny. as hell to be around. I really enjoy Bob. Is he a real fighter? Well, you know, Bob has, he has physical elements about him that allow him to fight. Yeah. Is he is he really skilled in what he does? No, Bob fits within a certain niche. And in Japan, you know, they put Bob out there and they like certain things, you know, that Bob has. They like his size. They like that, you know, the big guy against the small guy type things a lot. And so he, he works there. Yeah. If, If he came to the U.S., would Bob be as popular? No, because they're going to put him against guys that, you know what, have a good chance of beating Bob. And, you know, I've never fought Bob. I've never worked out with Bob. But I'm sure Bob, for, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes, Bob's a monster. He's strong. Oh, yeah. You know? But is he a top fighter? No, Bob's not a top fighter. He beats people a lot of times due to his size and strength and being able to bully people around. He can beat some people. But when it comes to the good people, he's always going to come out of the short end,
0: I think. Yeah. Well, we've been talking with Big John McCarthy of bigjohnmccarthy.com. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter, what are your impressions of that so far this season? Tito and Ken, that blood
1: war. <laughs> I think it's been great. Tito just knows button. how to push Ken's buttons. Oh, man, does
0: it? <laughs> I... Uh, Don know. Fry seemed to know how to push Ken's buttons. It's it. it, it
1: everyone, everyone pushes Ken's buttons. <laughs> no <know. laughs> way. You know, Ken, Ken comes off sometimes. as Ken is a really good person. Oh yeah, he, cool. he's a real genuine guy. Oh yeah, but he has. There's certain you know. Ken is all about his pride and, and oh, his self respect. And if he thinks that you're challenging it, Ken's gonna come off on you. You know, and he, he always believes that Tito is going to screw with his pride or something. <laughs> so, there's always to be that. Just that little bit of standing on the edge waiting for to oh, fall, There it goes. It's going to be going off.
0: Yeah. It, it's I, One thing I've always thought was amazing is when, uh, I think, I don't know what UFC was, but when Tito and Ken were getting in each other's face and you just walked over, picked up Tito, and... Came across the octagon.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> it's great. You know, easiest,
1: easiest way to keep two people from fighting is get one of them out of there. Yeah. Well, it's uh, uh,
0: it it's it's been an amazing crew. Do you ever plan on writing a book or anything?
1: You know what? There's a there's a writer that writes for mixed martial arts stuff right now. Uh, they're talking about doing a book and. Yeah, I got some stories that people, uh, they'll say, I didn't know it was that way. So it should be pretty good if it ever comes out.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. Bigjohnmccarthy.com is the website, the UFC 60. Hughes Gracie, May 27th, you open a Friday Thursdays at 10 Eastern, 10 Pacific on Spike TV. Uh, Go to bigjohnmccarthy.com and get your Big John gear. That's cool. You got shirts and all sorts of stuff on there.
1: Yeah, they got all kinds of stuff.
0: You got anything signed? Oh, uh, yeah, there are there is signed stuff. Yeah. They want signed stuff. That's cool. Well I appreciate the interview, John. We'll have to have you back on eventually. And uh, I'll get you an email this evening and let you know where the interview's gonna be posted and everything and I just appreciate you making time for us. No problem, James. You take care of yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. Have a good one, man. Alright. See you later. Bye.
1: Do you suffer from
0: Well, you don't have to. Not anymore. Finally, a non-prescription medical breakthrough. It's the Jiggy
1: Jaguar Show.
0: JiggyJaguar.com. Okay, we are back on the Jiggy Jaguar Show, speaking with uh, Kenny Castle from, well,
2: damn, from from everything. Parts unknown.
0: You've got connections with everybody.
2: Well. I do and it's probably <laughs> because of all the years I've been around. You know, you stick around long enough you get to know everybody, you know. <laughs>
0: you've uh you've recently uh penned some columns for bodybuilding.com.
2: Uh I guess we'll start there.
0: Give okay. us a little insight on that.
2: Well, um I've been in the fitness industry for 25 years. So uh, this will be I think my 25th uh, Olympia weekend to work. So, uh I've been doing that a long time and uh about 15 years ago a friend of mine who was a uh, top trainer and um was actually Rich Gaspari's training partner when they first wow. started out yeah exactly <laughs> uh, he, he moved out to LA and started training uh actors and uh what happened was um uh, a guy he was training who's a a gentleman named Don the Dragon Wilson who's uh, legendary. a yeah legendary kickboxer uh, He needed some fitness people for a film that he was working on, and um, what happened was uh, uh, Dave Sinod is is the trainer guy who was uh, Rich's uh, training partner, said, uh, I got a guy who knows all the fitness people, and uh, he hooked us up, and Don and I became friends, and then uh, a number of years ago, he asked me to be his manager, so uh, that was sort of my entree into the entertainment uh, industry. Uh, that plus, a uh, number of years ago, I was asked to help out a film company that was casting for a movie. So that was sort of my entree, and and um, it's kind of taken off since. And what I've been doing the last number of years is teaching people from the fitness industry. You know, a lot of them, they see the success of Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, yeah. and they say, you know, I want to be the next Arnold.
0: Yeah, we talked to a guy the other day, Gunther, who... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, fifth place last year, the Olympia. He's got a movie coming out with Warner Brothers.
2: That's right. And Gunther has tremendous charisma. Of course, yeah. he has that look and everything else. And I think he'll succeed. You know, who knows who's you know if, if anybody will succeed to the degree that Arnold did. Uh, yeah. You know, but um, so I I, my, I felt like my calling, part of what I what I uh, feel comfortable doing is teaching people how to get into that the entertainment business the right way, you know, without yeah. making the mistakes that people have made over the years. And so that's uh, uh, Russ from bodybuilding.com. Uh, I ran into him at the Ironman Championships earlier this year, and he said, Kenny, how'd you like to write a column on what you do? Uh, because I, I think he had seen one of my seminars. because yeah. I do seminars at fitness events and even at modeling conventions. And he said, oh. uh, would you we'll be willing to do it? And I said, sure, I'd love to. Wow! So that's how it
0: started. <laughs> so basically, since you know pretty much everybody,
2: that's anybody.
0: Oh man! Well, you people have told everywhere. me I should
2: People have told me that I should write a book about it, and maybe one day I will. You know? Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of a uh, lot of uh, fun and crazy things in our industry, and
0: uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a it's a great industry to be in.
2: But yes, I think
0: in so. Combat world. it's... And they mold well, so well together.
2: I think so. I mean, you know, part of what I always say that's great about bodybuilding, and, uh, you know, particularly bodybuilding, you know, the competition aspect of it is, you know, bodybuilding, it's an art, it's a science, and it's a sport. You know, obviously the training, uh, you know, the sciences, the nutrition, yeah. and the training techniques. And, you know, the, the displaying your body, the posing is kind of an art form and, it, you know, Oh yeah, great
0: great stuff. You got the uh you know, you we mentioned uh, Gunther earlier and we you talked about the Olympia. Uh what are you doing when you go out to the Olympia this year?
2: Well, basically um I also uh, uh do some work as an announcer. I was um uh the basically the announcer and the voiceover host. For a television show, a bodybuilding and fitness show called Muscle Sport USA, which is no longer on the air, but it was on the air for about 14 years, actually 15 years, close to 15 years, on uh, Fox Sports and its predecessors. So I have a decent voice, and and uh, so they started using me as a uh, as an announcer. Um, I did do all the backstage announcing, and I host uh, and introduce all the athletes at the pre judging. so I'll be doing that, and then also, of course, just expediting uh, the athletes yeah. because I've been around so long. They all know me, and they feel comfortable. I kind of make them uh, ease their tension when they're nervous, make them laugh a little <laughs> bit. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be a a great weekend. I think this year. I I seen an ad in a Muscled Fitness. And they were talking about travel packages, and I remember years ago the Olympia was some you know, rinky dinky little bodybuilding show and now it's like a whole weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's huge. You got the well and uh, we were talking about molding some of the some of the stuff in the the sports together. They're gonna have a UFC uh demonstration or exhibition. Yeah, today. that's correct.
2: That's correct. Wow. Well I think we have Arnold to thank for that, you know, Arnold <laughs> and his partner because they've started doing that with the uh a Arnold Classic. Classic. Yeah. And so pretty. now they figure the Olympia, why not? Yeah. A lot of the same fans, you know, Don the Dragon used to think, well, you know, I don't know how popular I am at these things, and I'm saying, no, believe me, you know, people yeah. love that. I mean, you know, they love the fights, and they love the, you know, they're sports fans, you know? Yeah. well, I'll, I'll tell you, Don did some, some
0: great work back in the day with the UFC and mm-hmm. kickboxing. Why did he never get into the
2: UFC? Well, Don is a, you know, what people may not realize, you know, Don is, he's a, He's a kickboxer. He's six one. He's one seventy five and to one eighty at his best. And obviously, you know, he doesn't have the frame. He does have a wrestling background because he wrestled a little bit in college, and he was, you know, pretty good. Uh, But um, you know, it's it would be tough for him to be grappling with guys that are two seventy and three hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, and he's a, uh, you know, he'd love to do it just because the challenge. You
0: know. Yeah. Well, I would. But it would be hard for
2: him, you know, to be to compete. Particularly now, you know I mean, if, oh, if he yeah. was twenty five or thirty, you know now he's over fifty, so yeah, you know
0: the the problem with like the the modern day u f c and this I think is would be an issue if Don were to ever get into it, and that is it seems like, and I don't know, maybe it's just I'm paranoid and I'm not a big fan of Zufa, but right, right, <laughs> those guys have taken everybody who was in the old UFC administration and have tried to destroy them. Mm -hmm. They did that with uh, Tank Abbott. They brought Tank in, and they're, oh, Tank Abbott's back, and he's going to do all this stuff.
1: Right. And
0: then they stuck him in with grapplers. And it's like, okay, people want to see Tank throw bombs with somebody. Exactly.
2: You know, Don was asked to fight Tank Abbott. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) But, you know, I, I don't know what happened, you know. That would know, have been a war. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But, you know, the <laughs> thing is, you know, you know the promoters or, you know, I mean, you know what goes on oh, with yeah. promoters in boxing and uh, oh, it's probably yeah. the same in that, you know. Well, and then you got, um, well, the, they had tanks, then they, uh,
0: this debacle they just had recently with Hoist. Right. I'm like, okay, why are we putting Hoist in there with Matt Hughes? Right, exactly. <laughs> right. And then the debacle tomorrow night. Yeah. And at least Shamrock and Tito kind of had one fight.
2: Right. Shamrock's
0: kind of competed with some of these new-age guys like Rich Franklin and uh, right. some of them. So it should be a pretty good show. But at the same time, it seems like anybody from the older UFC, they got a crush. Yep. And it's, I I would hate to see, if, you know, if Don's going to come back, I'd love to. <laughs> I think you ought to go with the, the
2: WFA guys since they seem to be wanting to put right. money around. You're right. Well, you know, he would love that challenge. I mean, uh, he's kind of gotten, you know, uh, on to, you know, he, you know, he realizes of course that, you know, his future is going to be doing the films as a producer. Oh, yeah. You know, he just started uh, distributing uh as well as producing now cuz uh, uh he formed a company uh and uh so he's co, you know, uh, uh, co-distributing as well as uh so I think he realizes that's, you know, probably his future. But you know what? He's, he, all you got to do is put the money offer on the table, <laughs> pal, and he's there. You know. Well, hey, that's what happened with Boss Rootin. Yeah, that right. came out of
0: retirement. I never that's thought right. that would ever happen.
2: Yeah, I. Bo, uh, you know, yeah. Well, Boss was another great fighter. I mean, you know, I, these guys—it's in their blood.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, they 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 you know don't want to give it up if they don't have to, and um, you know they they just love it. So. Anyway, uh, uh we're we're digressing I guess. But I yeah. think a lot of bodybuilders see themselves that, yeah. the men see themselves as, you know, tough guys kind of, you know, and yeah.
0: uh well and Ronnie Coleman he's got a background in martial arts,
1: so That's right.
2: That's he's, right. Yeah, Ronnie Ronnie was, you know, quite an athlete and, and um he's a class act. He's he's great for the sport in, in terms of you know, uh you know, he's very affable, he's great with the public, um I've seen him do some wonderful things, he went and, uh, uh, a friend of, of ours, who's a, a pro, uh, figure competitor in the IFBB, yeah. is a girlfriend of, uh, of Alti Batista, who is Ronnie's yeah. girlfriend, and, um, she asked him to come visit, she works at a school for kids that are, you know, uh, let's say special kids, Yeah. and, um. He came, you know, on his own without getting paid or anything. You know, he rented a car, he drove there, and uh, wow. you know, must have given away 150 autograph pictures. Spent two <laughs> or three hours with those kids, and you know, he, he's a great ambassador for the sport. You know. Yeah.
0: Well. I'll, I'll but what's you. interesting is. Yeah.
2: Who's gonna Who's gonna take his place? You know, how much longer is he gonna go? I don't think Jay Cutler's gonna take his spot, but maybe. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, when he retires, I mean. Oh yeah.
0: I don't know. It's it's tough. I know a lot of people were like, "Well, what's going to happen when Arnold leaves?" And yeah. Some people kind of stepped in. Lee Haney there for a while. I know Dorian Yates there for a while. Everybody was like, "Oh, he's the man." Yep. And he kind of just fizzled out.
2: Well, you know, they asked they asked uh, uh, Ronnie last year at the press conference at the Mister Olympia. Uh, they asked him, "Who's going to be the next Mister Olympia when you step down?" And he he didn't hesitate. He immediately said Victor Martinez. Wow! So that was an interesting thing, you know, for Victor. So now Victor has the genetics. Now let's oh, see if yeah. he can let's see if he can, uh, you it's know, pull the trigger. Yeah, it should be should be some good stuff. Yep.
0: Because you got a you know a wide open field. I know a lot of people are comparing uh, Ronnie and Jay to Arnold and Lou back in the day where it was Arnold stepped out and everybody's like, Well, Lou's gonna take it. Lou's gonna right. take over and I don't think he ever won an Olympia.
2: No, that's right, he didn't. He so didn't So
0: I'm thinking, you know, maybe maybe Jay could break that mold, but
2: I
1: don't know. Well he's
2: certainly become a crowd favorite. Um I think one thing that, that um a lot of the guys are starting to do and I think that's a mistake is, you know, they're trying to keep up, you know Ronnie has this genetic, incredible genetics, and yeah. a body can only hold so much muscle and, and still remain somewhat aesthetic, Yeah, and he's kind of pushing the envelope. If he puts on too much more mass, he's going to kind of, you know, ruin his structure a little bit, so he's got to be careful, and a lot of these other guys, some of them are really smart, the guys like Troy Alves, and even guys, smaller guys like Mark Dugdale, and how about Dave Henry?
1: Oh, Yeah. Big you know, here's a guy who's
2: 190 pounds, and he's competing with the big guys. But the ones who are smart will, you know, who knows, maybe the next guy will be not as massive as Ronnie. will yeah. be more of a, you know, a more aesthetically pleasing body, so to speak, instead kind of, of like such a freak. I back
0: to Frank Zane,
2: maybe. Exactly. You you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. Great job. I'll tell you, I've talked to
0: a lot of the uh, amateur guys, and that's one, one guy they point to, Frank Zane. They're like... Mm-hmm. I don't want to look like Ronnie. I want to look like Frank Zane.
2: Exactly. Well, you know, Frank Zane pulled off the ultimate illusion. You know, most bodybuilders are either really, really thick, you know, d- dense, thick, oh, and, yeah. or they're really wide. And the best ones, of course, have elements of both, like Ronnie. But Zane pulled off the ultimate illusion because he was neither. He was not wide, and he wasn't real thick. But his, he he had, he came in shredded. He was the first guy to really come in very, very, you know, as defined, more defined than anybody else, and yeah. he knew how to pose, he knew how to stand to to hide his flaws or de-accentuate yeah. them.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's going to be a good thing when uh, the Olympia rolls around. we got, got, like I was saying earlier, a huge weekend full of, full of stuff, and you pointed to the Arnold Classic being kind of an influence. Do you think that once the weeders pass on, will Arnold take that over?
2: Well, you know, there's I think there's a distinct possibility. Um I it's, it's funny, are Ironically last night I spoke with one of Arnold's training partners when he yeah. uh was winning, a gentleman named Leon Brown who most people don't know, but the people in the sport they know him. Yeah. And um he said he called Arnold on Father's Day to wish him a happy Father's Day and um and he talked to Arnold and yeah, who knows, you know, um if Arnold doesn't, you know, if he doesn't win the reelection, which, you know, it's a, is a possibility,
1: yeah.
2: you know, he might make one more movie and then, you know, retire. Who knows? I mean, but you know what? There's a good chance, I think, that that could happen. He could take it over. Yeah. He did take over World Gym for a while, if you remember. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a distinct possibility. It could be something, because I know the
0: weeders are going to leave a heck of a hole when they pass on.
2: Well, no question, no question, it's and uh, they're, you know, listen, they've left a legacy, particularly Joe, I mean, Ben, ben as well, but, you know, Joe was sort of the front man, um, yeah. you know, of the two, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I know he still loves the sport, and fortunately, you know, his health has improved a bit, so he's oh, been yeah. back kind of in the swing of things a little bit It's always at 86 good. years old.
0: Yeah, always good to see the uh, the weeders, uh, I'm assuming they're going to be out there. The Olympia Weekend. Yes, I would assume
2: they'll be there, uh, you know, assuming their health is good, you know. Yeah, taking
0: in all the sights and sounds. Do you think that uh, something I wanted to get your comment on, I know a lot of people on some of the message boards and things on the Internet, and I just love to read some of these every once in a while, but people say that it was like a conspiracy last year, that Lee Haney did not (laughs) present uh, any type of trophy or anything to Ronnie. Well, um... That he was pissed off, and he didn't... And I'm like thinking, i seen a thing in a magazine that he chose his son's baseball game or softball game over... No, 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 okay, let
2: me explain it, because I I know Lee Haney very, very well. He and I have kind of a special bond, because... I mean, I was at every one of his um, Mr. Olympias. Yeah. And, of course, I was even there when he won the Nationals back in 1982, the first wow. ever MPC Nationals. Plus, he and I have the same birthday. We're both born on November 11th. So, Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and I did a great interview <laughs> with him at the Arnold back yeah. in okay, age. And, um, okay, his, this is the, the freaky thing is his son, who I remember him holding as an infant, is now <laughs> the starting quarterback at the Citadel. Holy crap! And yes, exactly. Now I know that uh, that um, if if they, I, I, Lee wasn't upset at all. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you read on, you know, in these, uh, you know, in these yeah, uh, chat they, rooms and everything, yeah, people make stuff up. You know, oh, and, and yeah. it makes for interesting reading. Oh yeah. yeah. But um, but there was a big presentation with both of them on stage um, at the nationals last year. Yeah. And I happened to be there, and I interviewed them both on stage live at the Nationals. And wow. Ronnie will tell you that Lee Haney was his idol, yeah. which oh. I'm, which I'm sure he was. Oh, yeah. And um, and Lee, you know, when they always ask him, well, ha- you know, are you happy that Ronnie, you know, if Ronnie breaks your record or ties your record, <laughs> and he has the the stock line, and knowing Lee like I do, he really means it. And and what he said exactly was, now, nah, Timmy, Records are meant to be broken, and that's exactly <laughs> that's what great. he said, and that's how he felt. So there's no animosity at all between uh, Lee and, I and Ronnie, were, uh, or, or Lee and the IFBB, none whatsoever. It's just I I, I wanted to
0: get uh, someone who who knew, you know, the scene a little bit better than me, and to, to right. shut some of these punks up.
2: <laughs> yep. Well, you you heard it, and that's the guy's <laughs> honest truth. Uh, they they uh you know they uh have a, a great fondness for each other and yeah. uh you know and and Lee appreciates uh you know what Ronnie has done and of course he knows he can really appreciate it because he did it so oh, he yeah. knows what 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 uh, Ronnie's been going through and uh and he understands you know that uh you know like you said you know he he could have probably continued for a few more years but uh yeah. you know I mean he didn't retire Lee is now I know um I'm 50 and Lee is 4 years younger than me. So, you know, his last competition was 91. I mean, he was still a relatively young man. Wow. Uh so, you know, I mean, but you know, he he you know, he had accomplished what he all the goals that he had ac- wanted to accomplish I'm talking about Lee now. Yeah. And uh now he's busy with a lot of his different projects and um uh, and he's doing what he feels he was put on earth to do. And that's yeah. to, you know, to help the you know, youth kids, you know, keep you know, keep on the on the straight path, you know, and, and uh lead good, you know, good lives and be great citizens and you know, help other people.
0: Definitely. Switching gears a little bit, by the way, mm-hmm. we're speaking with uh Kenny Castle from you know, Parts Unknown. As Parts as unknown you said earlier. <laughs> right. Uh we're talking about bodybuilding. Something that I've noticed. Over the last couple of years, it's been real big as you look at some of these uh the bodybuilders leaving it used to be they'd go into movies and now a lot of them are getting into awkwardly professional wrestling and u f c Phil baroni getting into the u f c you look at a right. guy like dave batista who got it, and john cena natural uh body cena being a natural bodybuilder I don't know about Dave batista, but you know they're right. getting into uh the WWE and getting into pro wrestling. Well Matt Duval as well. That too. That yep. too. What? Well, why why is there such a crossover?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, some of the I mean, obviously there's the there that's a there's the opportunity is being presented to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think and obviously, you know, they uh these these are guys that probably enjoy the, you know, combative kind of sports
1: yeah. and feel like,
2: you know, to be to get into the the UFC it's really almost they're they're portraying them just like Vince McMahon has done such a masterful job with the wrestling you know and uh the same thing with the UFC guys they they kind of see themselves in the same light that the wrestlers do they're sports entertainers yeah and uh i think obviously they have the the physique and the package and uh, they have the ability to be able to do it to me I, when i look at wrestlers in particular I see them as as uh, as actors and stuntmen, as well yeah. as phenomenal athletes too. Of course. Oh yeah, but uh, they're really almost like you know stuntmen. The things that they have to do, and so I think obviously um, it's almost like in the movie business when you first start out and you're doing the lower budget films until you really establish yourself as an actor, it's a lot of it is the look, you know,
0: yeah.
2: and uh, obviously these guys have the look, you know. If you're going to be successful in bodybuilding, you're going to be kind of freakish. Even the little guys are freakish in their own way, you know. <laughs> I mean, Dave Dan. Henry is a freak too. <laughs> even as little as, even though he's only you know five two or five one, whatever, and 190 something pounds.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Uh, so I think uh, the, pre- the the uh, opportunities present themselves to a lot of these guys, and I think uh, you know the people who run wrestling I mean uh Vince McMahon, for sure, yeah, look at you know the incredible job he's done, you know and uh creating um uh, you know auras you know around these guys, yeah. and you know he doesn't pick little guys, he picks big guys yeah. and, and you look at a bodybuilder in the off season of course they're freakish enough when they're in contest shape, but <laughs> in the off season, a guy who's two sixty or two seventy in the off season could be over three hundred pounds, yeah, and very impressive, so you know it's I think that's what it is. I think they're they're getting opportunities. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, speaking of Vincent Kennedy McMahon and the whole professional wrestling world, I was a follower of his short-lived WBF. Oh, yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, you know, I <laughs> thought it was a vehicle. A lot of people said it was a vehicle for Lex Luger. And then a lot of people said, oh, no, Vince is going to conquer the world of bodybuilding. So... I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
2: Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I think, well, one thing he did was, who else is going to start a new federation? I'm sure they figure if Vince can't make it go with a deep, <laughs> as, as deep a pocket as he has, that, uh, nobody else is even going to try. But yeah.
1: uh,
2: I think he, um, he was on the right track. I think maybe he uh, was maybe 10 years too soon.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, because... I mean, I, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to create a little more excitement in bodybuilding, which yeah. I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but I think he did it, you know, obviously he alienated the, the, the powers that be, and so that yeah. created, you know, in other words, they uh, the leaders were, were going to do whatever they could to make his efforts much harder to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't really know exactly what was going on. Actually, it's funny, but he had a TV show called WBF Body Stars. Yep. it was on Andy USA. and Lex Luger. Correct. And so I think I think he was trying to do kind of a crossover thing to, you know, have the wrestling help the bodybuilding and the bodybuilding help the wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. You know, create opportunities because if you look at guys like Lex Luger and you look at Triple H and Stire.
0: a lot of these guys,
2: <laughs> you know, they look like big <laughs> bodybuilders. Yeah well, yep.
0: Triple H him getting into bodybuilding. There's a lot of people that I I've seen a lot of interviews with some of the some of the top pros and a lot of them are like, "Well, that's cool, you know, Triple H bringing the wrestling fans into bodybuilding." And there's a lot of them that are like, "What the hell is he doing here?"
2: Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> okay, but now now I've be, I've gotten to know him pretty well. Yeah. He's he's a really a great guy. And um I will tell you this. I've had I had a long conversation with him at the Olympia last year because, yeah. you know, we were involved with the production, you know, oh, the yeah. pay-per-view. And he was a huge fan of, of bodybuilding. Growing up in New Hampshire, you know, he grew up in New Hampshire, oh, in New England, yeah. and he was a he big fan of all the, you know, the Lee Haney and, and, yeah. and the, uh, Arnold, you know, from Arnold all the way down. He's a big fan of bodybuilding. So for him, you know, he's a very – he's a – you know, he, he's he's kind of almost – it's almost an honor for him to be involved in it because he yeah. he grew up with it. Oh yeah. So that's why he's. It's not just because of the wrestling and because of. I mean, he 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 truly loves and admires the bodybuilders.
0: Well, let's. Uh, so. it, it it's it's great that there's a crossover, and there, and it's great that a guy like that, you know, can can get to be around these guys that he idolized. Right. And then there's uh to finish off the uh, the pro wrestling part of it uh this that you were talking about some of the guys that they get into the UFC
2: mm-hmm.
0: because of the whole and and building like with Vince and all the different things. And then there's guys that start out as pro wrestlers and they start looking like bodybuilders. Scott right. Steiner is yep. a good example of that. The original was
2: Ivan Putsky, remember him? Yes.
1: Polish, Polish Power. Power,
2: there it is. Yeah. You know? He competed in the Mr America contest
0: a few times yeah uh it it's it's great you look at guys like superstar Billy Graham, yeah was uh back in the day i've I've always thought Steiner was like a kind of a copy of superstar Billy Graham you're right,
2: you're right, <laughs> definitely, but uh well, no I think you know I think that uh they realize also the wrestlers realize that you know wh- you know it's much more impressive when you see a big muscular guy. Than, you know, maybe somebody like in the old days, like a Haystack Calhoun who was five or six hundred <laughs> pounds, but, you know, wasn't so, imp- he looked, you know, he didn't, it wasn't as impressive looking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, they realize, you know, uh, I think obviously the, they, uh, well, Vince is certainly aware of it because, you know, Vince McMahon trains like a bodybuilder. I mean, yeah. you know, he's obviously into it, and you've if you've seen him on the recent cover of Muffle and Fitness. Yeah. You know, a man's sixty years old, he's still in pretty good shape, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he follows it pretty closely and um uh you know, so you know, he sees it and, and I'm sure he encourages the wrestlers to uh, you know, to to look good, you know, to train oh, yeah. hard to look good. Great.
0: Great you know? thing. It's it's great that bodybuilding has got such a such a crossover into their sports. You know, whether mm-hmm. it be MMA, whether it be pro wrestling. Yep. It's a good thing. But um Kenny Castle's been our guest on the program. Uh live from Parts Unknown.
1: Live well, from to New Jersey right now, just outside <laughs> New York
2: City, but uh There you go. We do move around a little.
0: Definitely. Who knows if you
2: call me next week I'll be in uh <laughs> where will I be? Well I'll be in New York <laughs> next week. We have the team universe, but uh
0: yeah. That's but I do get fun. around. Um uh, I guess we'll definitely have to pick this up around Mr. Olympia time. Definitely have to have it yeah. back.
2: Please let me know uh, uh you I'd love to I'd have, to get we might have to do it on the, the uh, cell phone there but uh yeah,
0: well, that's fine. I've done we could do it afterwards. Before. Uh I'd love to get Don Wilson on the show if you can. Yes, well, I will talk to him.
2: He role would role. I'm sure he'd be interested. Oh yeah. So uh I'm going to be talking to him this weekend. Actually, I talked to him yesterday. Yeah. It was a quick conversation cuz uh yesterday he was uh you know uh on occasion, you know, he's got he's got two young kids, so he yeah. had to take them somewhere and uh so it was a short conversation, but I uh, will be bringing that up with him uh, in the next couple okay, of days, and cool, uh, yeah. I'm sure he'd love to be on. We'd love to, set and he's of, a great storyteller.
0: Oh yeah, just some of the, some of the stuff I've uh, just some of his old play-by-play from UFC. He he definitely could could tell some stories.
2: Well, you know, he is a a fan of the sport of all you know boxing, kickboxing. Yeah, he loves it all. So you know, he follows it definitely. But, yeah, you know. Kenny,
0: I will uh, get you an email this evening, let you know where it's been posted. Great. And uh, you have a great weekend. And uh, Thanks, you too. We'll talk to you around Mr. Olympia time.
2: Yes, sir. I look forward to it. Definitely. Have a good one. We'll talk to yeah, you Yeah, you too. Bye-bye Thanks. now. Bye. Download all the past bits and best interviews with new things added each week at JiggyJaguar.com.